It's really about sharing the love of God. It's, it's actually being a witness. It's, a being, it's evangelism. It's, it's carrying the name of Jesus through our, with our lips and through our lives. Amen. So I Speak Jesus is our week three. And um, I want to share, just recap quickly. Last week we talked about uh, Matthew 28, 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus never um, called us to make programs. Amen. Jesus never called you and I to make programs, so go attend programs as a Christian. Jesus called us to go make disciples. So he wants you to go make disciples. So it's important for us to go make disciples. And we talked about, you know, the, about why we should go because it's a command from God and we don't go out of, out of an obligation or out of a duty. We don't do this because God is forcing my hand. We don't go to share the gospel because uh, if I don't do it, God's going to punish me. No, there's no obligation. It's a privilege to go and share the gospel. Amen. It's an honor to talk about Jesus Christ. Why is it an honor? Because he's chosen you and me. Amen. He's chosen you and I as a vessel, an earthen vessel that Jeremiah talks about, an earthen vessel that God has chosen to reflect his glory, his character, his nature, his personality, his power, his grace, his love through your life. Amen. So he's chosen you. Be excited. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says that, but, we, uh, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. You've been entrusted by God himself to carry the gospel. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? You know, you and I are entrusted to be the living gospel. Me. Broken. Weird crazy guy and you broken weird crazy guy <laughs> you know he's chosen you and I God the creator is wanting to work with you and me I think that's awesome thank you Pauline I think that's awesome. I talked about, uh, last week I talked about 2 Corinthians, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses from 16 to chapter 6 to verse 2. And there are three points that are raised. Number one, God expects us to be transformed. If you have given your heart to God and your attitudes and your behavior and your language is not changing, then you need to really check if you've really given your heart to God. Thank you. I like feedback. God expects us to be transformed. Number two, God expects us to be the agents of change. Don't be an agent of confusion. The gospel is a gospel of peace. Not a gospel of confusion. Not a gospel of strife. Not a gospel of uh, arguments. Hello? Don't be a part of a problem. Be an answer in the problem. That's the gospel. You know how you can be a part of a problem? When you add more issues to the problem. 
Oh, he shouldn't have said that. She shouldn't have done that. That's not gospel. Be an answer to the problem. Amen. Be an agent of change. And the last one I said is pray, so I speak Jesus. And we've been talking about this and I've been saying it. The reason I speak Jesus is because he saves people. He saves lives. Amen. Who believes that? Do you believe your life is transformed? Yes. Amen. He is our hope. He is our salvation. He is our game changer. I've been saying that God is a game changer, not just on the day you gave your heart to God, but He's the game changer every day of your life and my life. Every day, He's the game changer. I go sit with Him and say, God, how do I deal with it? Because I have no idea. But you know it. Would you help me? He's the game changer. So I'm asking you that just because you are saved, look, your heart is saved, your spirit is alive, but your mind needs to be transformed on a day-to-day basis. Every day till the last breath you take before they lower you down six feet under. Your, Your mind needs to be transformed by the renewing of the word of God. Every day, my life and your life needs to be transformed. Amen. Very good. So when we are Christians, everything changes. Number one, our motives change. Number two, our priorities change. Number three, our values change. Amen. You with me? Our values, our priorities, our motives change. I don't go spending because I can spend. Remember we talked about that. But I wait on God. Is this something you want me to do, God? Yes, it is your money, but that doesn't mean you can abuse it. Are you with me? He giveth, he taketh. I thought I'll put the... (laughs) All right? From selfishness, we become selflessness. All right. So, Paul is writing to the church. I've been talking about this in Colossians chapter 4 and verse uh, 2. We've been reading that Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. So Paul is writing this, encouraging the church because they were confused. They, they, they love Jesus Christ, but all of a sudden there's a heresy that's creeping into the church. Because the philosophy of man was creeping into the church. And then the philosophy of man, and then the more they reasoned, they begin to go, oh, well, I understand that. Yeah, that's a fair enough point. God is true, but you know, this is right too. So that all of a sudden the world was encroaching. The world was coming into the church instead of the church being outside in the world. So Paul is cautioning them, saying, hey, be very careful that you don't let the philosophy of man ruin the truth of the word of God in your life. That's what he was cautioning them. You know, in chapter 3, he's saying, take off your clothes, uh, old nature that is, okay, and put on the new nature of Christ. So that you can think differently and speak differently. So you don't continue to sin the way you used to sin because you're a new creation. All things have become new. You don't speak the same way because you are, you are saved by Jesus Christ. Amen. So don't allow the, the mind of man on the principles of man try to conflict with the truth of the word of God. Are you with me? So that's what Paul's saying. Then we pick up from chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Continue earnestly in prayer, 
New Living Translation says, devote yourself to prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in change. And today we are looking at verse 4, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So this morning we're really focusing on verse 4, and I'm going to put it up there in New Living Translation. It says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Pray that I speak the name of Jesus clearly. Today, we, we, how many of you can really say, I know how to speak and share the gospel clearly? Some are going, should I put my hand up? I don't know. So when I read that scripture, pray that I, pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Paul is urging. Isn't that what, you know, when Paul wrote this, he was in prison. He's actually in prison when he wrote it. And he's asking, when you're in prison, I've been to prison ministry, Mount Eden, uh, the few other ones. Uh, and uh, when I prayed for these, uh, uh, the prisoners, you know, they're asking me to pray for their children or their families and whatnot. And, but Paul is saying, I urge you, please pray for me, not that my chains will be gone or I will be let out on parole. No, 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 no. Pray that I may present the gospel clearly. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? That if you come forward to prayer, you're not actually saying, pray that I have this or that, or, or pray uh, uh, that I may get this job, or I may lose that person or whatever. But you're saying, pray, pray that God will use me where I am. That was Paul's cry. That was Paul's cry. And so he's writing, pray that I may proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So I began to wonder, and I titled it like this, so I may speak the name of Jesus clearly and confidently. So I kind of wonder, what is this message? What is the gospel? We talk about the gospel. What is the gospel? We need to understand what the gospel is clearly. So when we have a clear understanding of the gospel, then we can speak the gospel. Amen. So I want to bring from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 15, verse 1 to 19 today with you. And I want to pick six points from here what the gospel is. You may think, I know the gospel. I've been a Christian for a long time. Let me remind you of what Christ has done. Because it's not just for other people. Because if you truly, 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 truly have a revelation of this gospel, you will be the most grateful person in this world. Amen. You will be the most truly grateful person in this world. Because you realize every day that he has picked you from darkness and he's put you into his marvelous light. You will truly be grateful when we pray. You know, we, we, we give you the highest praise. 
when your heart is full of joy, when you have a revelation of the gospel, not 30 years ago when you gave your heart to God, but today, after 40 years of being a Christian, are you exactly same joyful as you were back in the last century? Are you exactly joyful to say, God, thank you. And if you're not, can I remind you, Paul, Paul David prayed this prayer. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What is that salvation? What is the gospel? So Paul is beginning to write here. So if you go to the next slide, please. And he says, he says, the gospel is the good news. So he says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of, good new, of the good news I preached before you. You welcomed me, you welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you uh, if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. And he's saying the good news, the gospel is the good news, and the good news is God saves. That's the good news. That's the good. God saves you. God saves you. See, you, God saved you from darkness the day you gave your heart to God. So you go, God saved me and I am full of joy and his priorities become my priorities. I don't, I don't want the world and the junk and the family and, the, and everything that goes on to overcrowd me and completely destroy the gospel. Are you with me? Busyness can corrupt the joy of God. Distraction can corrupt the joy of God. You may be busy doing work, fine. But don't let busyness corrupt the joy of salvation. So he's saying the good news is that God saves you. And you might be thinking, yeah, I know this. I'm not talking about information, I'm talking about revelation. I'm not talking about revelation. Do you really, really realize God saved you and that you are grateful and you are thankful? That God, I would have gone into eternal hell? Hell. It's not like go to hell. You're not cursing. This is real hell. We're talking about God saved you from that. God saved me. So we've got to be thankful to that's good news. And number two is in verse three. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. What is it? Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, we deserve death, but Jesus took our place. Christ died for you and I. Christ died for you and I. You know what? When, when you have a recognition and a revelation and an acknowledgement that God is good news has come and he Christ died for you. And when you live in that, you always see anything to do with God as an honor and a privilege. Not out of a duty. Not out of obedience. 
I always talk about the scripture in Isaiah 1 verse 19. You, you can, uh, um, uh, obedience and willingness and obedience, if you're willing and ob obedient, you can eat the good of the land. You know, I can make you, I can make my children obedient. I can't make you obedient. You know, I can make my children obedient. A policeman or a police officer can make you obedient. I got pulled over the other day. I was like a sheep. I said, what did I do? I knew exactly what I did. And I was like, oh God, please, please, please. And I got a warning. I said, oh, that's good. I'll take that. Stop judging me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, actually, Dan's being really good like how the devil accuses you. You know? You know, he's the accuser of the brethren. Do it again. Yes, exactly. Don't fall for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, so I can, I, I can't make you obedient, but you know, you know, authority can make you obedient, but the spirit of God makes you willing. Willingness. I can, I can make my children obedient to sit them down, but I can't make them willing. I'm your father. You sit down. You have no choice but to sit. They sit down there and they have no willingness. You know where willingness comes from? It comes from the heart. Willingness comes from the heart. And the heart needs to be touched by Jesus, not last century, 1985. No, that heart needs to be touched every day. Every day I am thankful that you saved me. Every day I am thankful, Jesus, that you died for me. Christ died for you. But why did he die for me? Why did he die for me? My third point is because of sin. Sin means to miss the mark. Every time you commit a sin, you miss the mark. Every time you commit a sin, that is, what is sin? Sin is not just alcohol, smoking, cigarettes and all that. No, 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 no. Sin is when you're lying. Sin is when you look at a woman with a lustful eye. Sin is when you are uh, uh, you're speaking against somebody. Sin is when you're angry and you're ripping into somebody. Are you with me? I have the right to rip into you. No, you don't have the right to rip into anybody. If you're angry, that's fine. But in your anger, don't sin. The Bible teaches. Don't sin. So sin separates us from the love of God. Can I ask you, even as Christians, how many of you continue to sin? We do. I do. You do. You good Christians. No one's looking at me right now. When I'm looking at them, they're putting their head down. We all continue to sin. Every time you and I sin, we are separating ourselves. You know what? Every, um, oh, come husband and wife, come here. I did my orange uh, illustration last Sunday. It was an impromptu, I didn't even plan it, but God worked through it. So when I sin, I am the devil, okay? So when he is sinning and she is sinning in an argument, okay, in an argument, you're sinning. He's already, yeah, exactly. And so I'm putting a wedge between them. You see, I'm coming in between them. Every time I sin, I'm missing the mark and there is a separation. Every time he continues to sin with his pride, there's a separation. And then, keep going backwards. And that's why I'm pushing you. Fall! Holy Spirit! Oh, no, no. Anyway, you know, stop. 
So, so there is a separation every time they sin. And there comes a point because of sin, pride enters in. And what sin does, not only does it separate, but it hardens heart. It hardens your heart. And now Ruth will say, she's like, basically, oh, you're saying that too. She's like, get lost. Oh, get lost. Okay. You know, Ruth will say, why should I say sorry? He started it. He started the fight first. And then he will say here, I only started the fight because she wasn't listening to me before. So they're more, both may be right in their own perspective. Let me tell you, your perspective doesn't matter to God. Hello? Your perspective doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is His Word. Come on. His Word is what. I don't, I don't care what perspective you have about Trump. Oh, I don't care what perspective you have about all blacks. It's all weeping at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope discipline. Okay. Please. Don't stay in your perspective because it doesn't matter. What matters is the truth. What is the truth? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he shall... Come, come on, man. <laughs> and he shall lift you up. It takes... Come together. And you see, when you put aside pride, what you're doing is you're overcoming sin. Oh, give her a kiss. That's an R13 kiss. <laughs> okay, so can I encourage you? When you value and understand what God has done, Christ died because of sin. Sin separates us. Sin is continuing to separate us. So you, when you talk to somebody, talk about this sin. Don't get into arguments about what you think, what I think. What I think and what you think are irrelevant. I said, yeah, last week I said, just because it's logical doesn't mean it's biblical. You may think, well, it's logical, but it's not biblical. And just because it's illogical, it may be biblical. Like Pastor Caro talked about the first King 17, that lady, it's illogical to feed a stranger when you don't have any food in your house. It is silly. Nelu, never do that. If a pastor comes to your house and says, give me some curry, never do that. It's illogical. But just because it doesn't fit in your framework doesn't mean it's not God. Sin separates. Number one, what's the number one? The gospel is the good news. Number two, Jesus died. What is the gospel? Number three, sin. So Paul is writing to them and he's saying sin can separate you from God. Number four, the resurrection of Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. And he's speaking on, he's saying it. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will, no, there will be no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. 
And if Christ has not been raised, all our, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Keep going. And, if, and we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. This is the crucial thing. Because dying is natural. But coming back to life is supernatural. Amen. Only Jesus rose back from death. Only Jesus. Why should I believe in Jesus? Why is Jesus the only God and why not the three million gods uh, uh, in Hinduism? Why not Sikhism, Jainism, Buddhism, Islamism and all these isms? Why only Christianity? Why Christ? Because he said, except through me. You can only go to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth and the life. See, if you look at any other religions, you look at Islam and, and, and it says, you know, Allah is God. I am Prophet Muhammad. Allah is God. God is out there. I am here. But it doesn't really give a pathway. And Hinduism, you look at, you know, if you want to find your own pathway, you have to get up early in the morning, look at the sun, worship the sun. At night, worship the moon. Diwali is today and they want to have celebrate that and all this. But that's not the way. It's all about action. Buddhism says, if you want your own enlightenment, sit under the tree. That's what Buddha said. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we've got to know this. We have to know this to understand that Jesus being resurrected. Amen. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. In, case that, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if your hope, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Our hope in Christ is just not for this life, it's also the afterlife. You know, you're born twice, but you only die once. That is if you know Jesus. You're born twice. One, natural birth. Number two is your spiritual birth. But you only die once. That is your physical death. Because your spirit will live on for eternity. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're born twice and you die twice. And Revelation 20 says that it's an eternal sleep. That means it's an eternal death. There is no resurrection. So that's why it's important for us to understand this truth and speak this out to people. This is the gospel. Number five is Christ's appearance. Christ's appearance and verse five in the same chapter. Paul is writing this. He's building a case to them. He says, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. Christ just didn't born he's you know he's not just didn't grow up he died but not only did he die but he, he he rose from the dead and not only did he rise and hide himself but he showed himself as a resurrected christ as the savior paul is writing if you want proof the proof is in first corinthians chapter 15 
that Paul is writing, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, later by the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So Paul, Paul is writing, he's saying, look, I've proof Jesus is alive. He is the resurrected Christ. He's appearing. And so this is a proof. This is the gospel. Number one of the gospel is, it's a good news. Number two, Jesus died. Number three is sin. Number four, help me because I forgot. Resurrection. Number five is appearance. So when, you know, people... Why should I believe God? You know, back in the day when I was close with God, God did this. But today I don't really have that closeness with God. I'm asking you to revisit the gospel. That's what I'm asking you. If you've lost gratefulness of what God has done in your life, revisit the gospel. Sit down at his feet. And Christ has done this. And number six, Christ's return. And it's not in, in 1 Corinthians 15, but Revelation 22, verse 12. And I'm reading this from ESV. He says, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. He's going to come back one day. Can I urge you as a church, please don't be caught asleep spiritually. Please don't be caught distracted when he comes back. Jesus is going to come back. Don't live your life like he's not going to come back. You know, um, before the earthquake struck, I, I, I thought I was a, quite a good, um, uh, 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 you know, I understood about uh, earthquakes and all that. It's great to have an understanding in your head. But when you go through it, oh my goodness. It's a different feeling. It's the same thing when the lady says, when you walk on the plane, um, and she says to you, please put your seatbelt on. This is your life jacket. And when you are in the water, there is a whistle. You blow in it. And if your life jacket, you need more air, blow in that. And if you need light, there is a light. It sounds pretty. But when the plane has hit the water, it ain't pretty. It's freezing cold and you're panicked. What I'm trying to say is right now, the gospel might look very pretty to you, but he is going to come back one day. He is coming back one day. What he's going to ask you is, what have you done with your life? Oh, well, Lord, my pastor didn't really teach properly. You know, my pastor, he actually can't speak properly. I I had to bear with him. It, was, it goes too long. Or oh, he always talks about curries. You know, that distracted me. Wake up. He's going to ask you about your life. God's not going to judge, ask me, not judge. He's going to judge me about my wife and my children. But God's not going to ask me about Kara in an extent, to an extent. But he's going to ask me. He's going to judge me about my life. And he's going to judge her of her life. Yes, I have to pray, look after, provide, blah, blah, blah. But end of the day, it's her choice. So why I'm saying this, maybe as Christians, we've lost sight of the gospel. 
Maybe he's a Christian to be too, but to you too long you've been a Christian. And you've lost sight of the gospel. I know it all, been there, done it all, seen it all. Oh my goodness, wake up all and come to the foot, foot of the cross. Work your salvation, what? With fear and trembling. Bring that reverential fear. Don't ever lose the joy of thy salvation. Amen. And renew a right spirit within me. Next verse in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of, the arch, of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, who, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up, to, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. He is going to come back one day. Amen. The trumpet will sound and are you ready for it? Are you ready for the trumpet? You know, just as you are, I have excuses too. I am busy just as you are busy. But God's not going to count our busyness. But God, I was working 16 hours. You know, I've been rostered every day, God. Don't complain to him. Are you prepared to give an account with your life? That's the gospel. Are you with me? Okay, so what is the gospel? Number one, the gospel is the good news, which is God saves. Number two, Christ died for you. Don't take that for granted. Amen? Your parents didn't die for you. Christ died for you. Okay? Number three, sin. You miss the mark. Each time you sin, you miss the mark. Number four, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number five, Christ's appearance. Number six is Christ's return. That is the gospel. So when you're talking to somebody, you're not telling some random goobly-goo stories. You've got to know the word of God. It's not your words that are going to set people free. It's God's word that will set people free. It's not your words that are going to give them life and hope. It's God's word that will give life and hope. Amen. So we've got to know and understand the, the gospel clearly. And the last point I have is how to communicate the gospel to our culture. It's good to have the information but how do you communicate to a culture? How do you do that? A life that's properly lived. That's the important thing. It's important that you live your life properly. Okay? Don't say, God knows my heart. No. You've got to get your life in order as well. So, life that is lived properly. Am I glorifying God? If I do that, will it glorify Jesus? It's not about will... Britney like it or not. It's not about whether I'll get Rupert's approval or not. Number one, is it glorifying God? Is your life glorifying God? He was freaking out, so I thought I'd better move, turn around. You know. But is your life glorifying God? Our life has to glorify God. That's another way you can talk about gospel. Imagine if I come to you with the six points of the gospel and I'll say, hey, hey, Margaret, I know what the gospel is. But she goes, you don't walk according to the gospel and I don't want to hear from you. Because every time I talk to you, rubbish comes out of your mouth. 
Your life does not match, so why will I give you the privilege to speak into my life? She will not have any time for me because she's got no respect for me because I'm only information but no revelation. Are you with me? God wants not information alone. It's important to have it, but you need the revelation of the gospel. So when somebody comes and talks about the gospel, don't go, oh, what was the step six? You know, don't go into black book, white book, yellow pages, red pages. Remember that book? Black means sin. Red means blood of Jesus. White means he cleansed you. Gold means it's heaven. Green means eternal life. No? No? Okay. All right, yeah. But you see, uh, number one, live your lives according to the gospel. Number two, don't become preachy. Is that a nice word? Please write the chi word there. Okay, that's very profound. Don't become preachy. Okay? Don't become, this is my opportunity, let me teach you the gospel. According to the book of Genesis, back in the, in the 6,000 years ago, and don't just go into preaching the word and completely forget what the person's need was. And point two, and point three, by the time you start point one, point two, you've lost them. See, the gospel is life-giving. The gospel is life-giving. It's not about information-giving. If you want more information about Jesus, please go to the Jesus Information Center. It's not about an information center. He's life-giving. And I love it. Make it incidental and intentional. Uh, the reason I said that make it incidental and intentional because, you know, when I before I finish with this point, I want to say there are very other ways you can uh, uh, minister the gospel. Number one is through literature, through Bible, through writing. Number two is drama. That's why we're doing this whole production, drama. Why? We want to present the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, and number three is the story. Tell the story about Jesus Christ. Tell your own story. Because after the greatest story about Jesus, the next greatest story is your own story. Amen. After the story of Jesus, the next great story, don't give me about someone else. I understand him, but how has he impacted you? Don't give me information. How has he changed you? Your story is the next greatest story after the story of Jesus Christ. Number three is, number, these are points, music. Music, you can, you can share the gospel. And poetry, you can do poetry and share the gospel. There's so many ways you can share the gospel. But being intentional and, <clears throat> and incidental. I'll share this story and I'll close. When Jesus went to the lady at the well, other than Jesus, everyone else was a sinner. Right? He could actually go to them and say, you're wrong, you're a sinner, and that's the truth. If I come to you and say, you're the sinner, you can point out and say, you're a sinner too. But you couldn't have done that to Jesus. Because he was sinless. Hebrews says, he was tempted in every way, yet found without sin. He was sinless. But when he went to the lady at the well, he didn't point out and condemn her 
but he made it very intentional in his mind but it made it look very uh, incidental to her jesus didn't put on the evangelism coat on jesus didn't stand on the corner of the street or the next to the dairy because every corner there's a dairy right and he didn't stand there repent or you're going to hell he didn't wear plaque cards jesus didn't condemn like that when he went to the lady he already knew before she was born he knew that she was with five men and the sixth one is a borrowed man too right she was living with another man six men but he goes to her and he goes hey hey excuse me can i grab some water please look at how he tells the story you know he's very intentional in how he, he she's a samaritan woman he's a jew if you understand the word of god if you don't understand it read it please but he's a jew jews never talk to samaritan people they're like the untouchables and he went to her and social settings he broke the social setting and he's god himself went to her and he said hey can you give me some water he made it look very natural he made by the way and he got talking to her the water i give you you will never thirst again she goes what and she goes get your husband oh i don't have a husband said, that's right you don't and the man that you're with he is number 6 but it never condemned her to her it might look incidental but for jesus it was very intentional gospel sharing look number 1 before you share the gospel you got to be grateful you got to be grateful to what god has done in your life If you're not grateful then you don't know how to share the gospel. And you read the story of Jesus. How naturally he goes to her and he says, "The life I give you you will never thirst." And she was hooked on to his words. And he drew her into his story. And he shared his story. listen to her but he gave a life and life in abundance you know we've been talking about january december 6th and i've got some names in here we put some names in here what we are doing really is preparing for the 6th of december because we're using the story of christmas as a a, a ramp for people to come people that don't usually go to church you know church is boring to you because you've lost sight of god worship is boring to you because you are ungrateful for what god has done preaching time is boring to you because it's just more words not life i'm asking this morning before we go out and talk about jesus number 1 can we pray god restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me 
I was at a birthday party last night. I met a couple that I did not know. In their 80s. Beautiful couple. And I was talking to this man. And I was sitting down and he grabbed me and his wife grabbed me. They put me in between them. And I thought, here we go. I'm in here for half an hour. And I sat with this couple. And they got talking and talking and talking. And he says to me, I want to briefly say, I'm thinking these guys, they're in the 60s. And he just ate food and was falling all over me. He didn't realize that. And uh, that's what I was thinking. I went, oh, it's spitting on me. Spitting on me. You know, I was wiping it away. He spat more on me. And Jesus said, stop it. I said, okay, God, go spit on me. So he spat well on me. But more importantly, he said to me that he nearly died recently. And while he was on his deathbed, they were operating. And then they tried to put a stent through his wrist. And then they found out that he was bleeding on the inside, internal bleeding. So they had to operate him, make a hole here, make a hole through his groin area to pull the blood and all that out to keep him alive. They called the family, they called the wife and the children, say, come, say goodbye to your father and your husband because he's not going to last long. And he's in, sitting in North Shore Hospital. And he's in his 80s. And you know what he was thinking about? He was thinking about, I've got four Bibles. Who do I give it to? And he said he gave one to an Indonesian Muslim man. And he gave one to someone else. And then he carried on the story. I don't know what he did with the two Bibles. But he said, maybe my time has come. Maybe my time has come right now. He's not thinking about his wife or his children. He was thinking about, how do I give these Bibles out? He even gave me one yesterday. He said, it's an app. You're a young fellow. Take the app. And I was thinking, wow, he's alive. His spirit is alive. He's a frail man. While he was on his deathbed, he cried out to God and he said, Lord, my breastplate has been moved. I think I'm going to die. But if you want me to live, would you readjust my breastplate of righteousness? This is what he was telling me last night. And so he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord, he's alive. And he brought a nurse. And the nurse sat with him. Some of you probably know who the nurse is too. I won't name names. But, and she sat with him. And she kept him awake till 4 a.m. Didn't let him sleep. He was at the party. He didn't look like he was going to die. And you know what the beautiful thing he was talking to me? He's an old man. He could have retired put his feet up on the lounge suite, sun, you know, do, no. You know, he said, oh, 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 let me, can you, oh, let me, let me tell you another testimony. I said, how many testimonies are you going to tell me? I want a food. I want to go eat food. And you know, she was so lovely. She took my plate away and I didn't eat that food. I said, oh, my food's gone too. They were so excited and he would, Grandma, oh, let me tell you another testimony. Just, just recently in Fongaparoa, I was sharing a gospel with this guy is from uh, Denmark. And he gave his heart to God. This is Fongaparoa. Six, 80-year-old plus man. His voice was loud as clear, full of life. 
And I said to the Lord last night I was driving home. God, I want to be like that. I don't want to be like when a young fellow sits with me I'm going, gosh, that guy was boring. But this man, man, he spoke life. He spoke testimony. He's speaking, the wife is speaking, and I felt like I was watching tennis. <laughs> I don't know how to I don't know how I managed to escape from there. That's right. Thank you, Jeanette. But it was great. My friends, I want to tell you, you who are ahead in years, being Christian for too long, please don't lose your joy. I urge you as your pastor, I urge you as a brother in the Lord, don't lose your joy of God. Just because you're busy, just because you you're busy with kids or work or what not, don't give excuses, don't lose joy. For me that was the best birthday party that night. Sat there half an hour with this couple. Beautiful. I only shared that story this morning to encourage you because I'm encouraged. I hope you're encouraged too. Please be encouraged. Salvation is the foremost important thing. Amen. Not your boats, not your buildings, not your rugby, not your not your cricket, none of that nonsense. It is nonsense when it comes to gospel. You don't have to run down a history of I worked like 16 hours today. I did this today. I was the ah, you know, it's exhausting. Everybody's doing something. You're not the only one that's doing that. What is Christ doing in your life? That's the gospel. I speak Jesus. That's the gospel.